0: it's andy's podcaster podcasting podcast episode six welcome to the show got another guest to help me review this week my buddy Claxton has come in to help me get to grips with two political podcasts. But first, a little bit of housekeeping. Thanks for all the podcast suggestions. Please keep them coming in. I'm going to try and respond to all email, either with a quick reply or maybe here on the show. But, big announcement. <laughs> what a terrible, that was supposed to be a drum roll. I can do better than that. Big announcement. I am accepting my big brother's challenge. I am going to attempt to review every podcast in existence. As the saying goes, I can eat an elephant one bite at a time. We'll see how I do. Okay, so I had another anthropologist contact me about the shoes thing. You know, uh, last week I had a guy, Dr. Oscar Meyer, real name. He was taking me to task for not adequately dating the time of human footwear development. Well, this week I've had a Michael Walchart from the University of California, Irvine. He thinks, and I quote, Oscar Meyer should stick to wieners. Ouch! Yeah, how's that for an anthropologist burn? He goes on to refute Mayer's timeline and quotes research from uh, Susan uh, Cashel from Rutgers University. Oh, uh, for our European listeners... Uh, Rutger's University is actually the State University of New Jersey. Um, It's not the university set up by Rutger Hauer. Uh, That one, I think, is actually called Brown and uh, is in uh, Providence, Rhode Island. Anyway, Dr. Cashel reads the bone density map of humanity a little differently. Basically, uh, she notes that all human bones began to shrink around 40,000 years ago. So while shoes might have been a factor there, uh, there was also something else going on to account for a more sedentary form of life, uh, maybe better social cohesion and specialization. So she puts the development of footwear at around 35,000 years for sure. Okay, guys, uh, thanks for the input. I think going forward, I'm just going to call it, let's say, over 30,000 years ago. That way, I will keep everybody happy, I hope. Well, everybody except for a few cranky Christians who've sent me uh, various Bible quotes this week. Um, I didn't know. There's like 35 quotes featuring footwear in the Bible. Yeah, not that it proves anything. Right. Lastly, I've got a voicemail from Hedge. Hmm, this this one pissed me off a bit, to be honest. Um, Here, check this out. This is Andy's fault.
1: Andy, quick question. If we were to put you down on our tax return, what kind of write-off expenses do you have for the show? Like four or five microphones, a couple of computers, advertising, do you advertise? What about uh, bandwidth and web hosting? How much is all that shit? Just give me a ballpark. Doesn't have to be exact. I know, I know. Honestly, even I sometimes think the council is just a big shell company. Anyway, give me a call. I'm on lunch. Probably will be for the next couple of hours. I'm staking out Le Petit Poutine. I'm going to get some duck. Just got to wait for the guy to leave. He's got this Senegalese girl working some afternoons, but you know food trucks. So random. So French. They come, they go, menstruating their sweet smells into the air, wrecking the local economy and then disappearing out to Swamp Doodle or the Navy Yard, not to be seen of again for months. Anyway. Get this. I'm going to get a duck poutine and I'm going to post a picture of me eating it to his Instagram account. And I'm going to be holding like a whole brick of napkins in the picture too. (laughs) Wait. Ah, he's going. He's going.
0: Hello, Dave. Do you have slough, bro, coleslaw? Dude, do not put me on your tax return. An informal backsheesh of edibles... Does not entitle you to make me into some weird tax loophole for the council. Seriously. I might be starting to have regrets about letting the shoe council sponsor the show. I mean, I'm just getting flack from anthropologists. I'm getting flack from anthropologists. I can't seem to I can't seem to satisfy your vision for how I should be selling the council. We'll see. But anyway. Fair play on the duck poutine. I'm looking forward to seeing that photo.
1: It's review. Time. <laughs>
0: Hey, I'm reviewing Pod Save America and Chapel Trap House with my buddy Claxton. Claxton in the house. Hey. Um, now, Claxton's a fellow cocktail aficionado. What are you drinking at the moment?
2: I've been drinking mezcal lately.
0: Mezcal? Yeah.
2: Yeah. You know, I recently started drinking mezcal and uh, I can't stop drinking it.
0: Well, this, we've got a, a friend, uh, Doug, who works in a great cocktail bar down in D.C. called Morris. And I know he makes one that I love. The... What's it called? The Better and Better.
2: Is that with pineapple?
0: No, that's just... I think it's like a straight bourbon mezcal. Ah, bourbon mezcal. Okay. It's like... It's it's crazy good. But yeah,
2: so there's one I enjoy very much and it's a version of the breakfast cup, which is a classic cocktail. Um, but I believe uh, with mezcal, I can't remember the name and that's the advantage of knowing and going to one bar. Yeah. Is that yeah, then yeah. they know, they what, know you what you have. About. I think it's called Guapo or something. And it. it's like a... How do I say this? It's like a lot of the flavors of like the, the sensation of a uh, of a of the positive of Bloody Mary. Like yeah. a good drink to, to get you up and going. Like boozy and strong, but also energizing because it's like got a kind of vegetable component. Nice, so it feels nice, like you're getting nice. your nice. veg in as well. And I would use <laughs> cucumber and it's got kind of like, I think, Worcestershire. Oh, wow. It's a little spicy and with mezcal and it works brilliantly. Wow. That's
0: the great thing about Morris American Bar is they make all their mixes you know what I mean they really you know go old school I I don't pay for I don't I drink cocktails I
2: do not go out for wine and beer because I'd rather pay someone to do something a real craft yeah yeah, Yeah. something like that and also it's like uh, it's like honestly I have to uh, like my family like we're super diabetic and stuff so it's like like I have to like uh, treasure my calories so if I'm gonna have alcohol calories I'd rather save it and I save
0: it all for cocktails there we go that's the way to go, man. So, thanks for coming in and doing the show, Clexton. How do you think it's going? You've heard a few episodes now. What, what, what do you think of the show? Uh. Really? Well, I mean this one. This show's going to be this is this one's going to be better because you're in it, right? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to be reviewing two political podcasts today. Now, I've been on a news diet since the Trump election. Just for self-preservation purposes. Because it's gone crazy when you suddenly realise how completely messed up things are. People think NPR is, is kind of like the high standard of coverage that they're not, just because they're not Fox News. But the problem is the things that they aren't dealing with, you know, when you have a president who is lying and you're going to the Washington Post and the BBC and they're not holding him accountable to his lies or even calling him directly a liar. You know, they're kind of like hiding it on page four saying, well, he got six Pinocchios yesterday for this. And it's, you know what I mean? The, the story's already moved on. He's yeah, already on to yeah. the next lie on Twitter. and. The mainstream media isn't equipped to deal with the complexity of the issue and to catch it, particularly when they won't use the right words to describe what's happening. So I've been hiding from political podcasts. I get too angry and I end up, you know, spending days sending emails to journalists critiquing the, the fine line that they've drawn, trying to be civil to a lot of people who have been bought and paid for by the NRA the pharmaceutical lobby, the medical insurance lobby, and Christian evangelical fascists. So... What was great was talking to you and having you introduce me to Chapel Trap House as being a a true left political show that really takes the time to delve into issues. And also one of the main shows that's happening as well at the moment is Pod Save America, which is uh, a pod a political podcast from some Obama staffers, John Favaro, John Lovett, and uh, Timothy Viter. And initially, when I, I I think I heard their show like over a year ago. And it was very much more of the similar kind of like soft-pushing the mainstream narrative that everything is fundamentally okay and politics is a jolly old game for wealthy white America to mull over while we sit in Starbucks scrolling on our phones Past GoFundMe pages for people who can't afford insulin, but now I'm listening and and they're they're starting to deal with uh, with a lot more nuance, and I'm finding uh, their work to be pretty good. They do weekly podcasts, and they are um, dealing with all the current issues with the Mueller uh, investigation and every all the crazy stuff that's happening. What's your take on Pod Save America?
2: From the episodes I heard, I was surprised by a couple of things. One was how um, low-key it was, like how cool they all were and collected. And uh, I was very kind of like, they were kind of Obama-esque, like they had really absorbed the energy Mm -hmm. and also the style, that kind of like super rational, uh, like uh, I can recognize both sides and there's something in the middle and it almost made me feel like Like, they were just smart. Yeah. Like, it made me feel like they must be smart. Look at how right, like, you know, that that overwhelming thing. And and that kind of confidence they exude. Mm -hmm. There is a kind of, I see why it's so popular. Yes. Especially with the same people that probably love NPR. Right, right. Exactly. Like yeah, yeah, there's yeah. something
0: very similar about yeah, that. Yeah. Pure wait, wait, don't tell me politics. Yeah, yeah. yeah kind yeah, of yeah. stuff.
2: Which is the part that surprised me was the ads.
0: In Pod Save, they do stop like two or three times and really hit advertising pretty hard, their their sponsors. And that it's kind of extended. It's kind of like they really, you know, nail it. Like underwear, you'll, you'll be, you'll be, you know, we're going to interview Elizabeth Warren, but first I'm going to have like a, a four minute bit on. But, but compared on to underwear. other podcasts, I
2: mean, you've heard a lot. Yeah. Wouldn't you? I mean, you could just put in. I'm used to podcasts I have it in the beginning and uh, the, and, and the and end. the end, yeah. But and not yourself. It could be a, a something else. I yeah. mean, like someone else doing. But I was really surprised because they seem to carry such dignity, gravitas. Yeah. I, and then they were like, you said they have kind of fun with it too. Yeah, and yeah. it was even more... Yeah. <laughs> four, like Because
0: first, yeah. they're so cool. Like, what I'm liking about Pod Save is every week they are really covering the Mueller investigation very well you know they do episodes called hot tub crime machine uh, impeach the mother forker you know and they then they're, they're pulling no punches and they're really documenting it very well with the knowledge of their white house insider status and they are starting to even criticize their own failings which you know a year or two years ago when they were the true establishment you would never hear them do that but now They're really calling for more activism. They're trending more left. For example, the Venezuela situation. I was just listening to an episode that I was really fascinated by because I'm tired of the mainstream media. They'll mention Venezuela, but they won't put it into any sort of proper context, including going back to Operation Condor and the CIA's long history of funding dictators to crush democracy in South America. Or that now this current administration has resurrected Elliot Abrams like some vampire to be the point man on the border of Colombia. Blast from the past. Yeah, what a blast from the past. It's insane. Convicted for Iran-Contra, facilitated the Guatemalan genocide. But to be fair to Podsave, one of the first things they did was to mention Elliot Abrams and you know I mean? and that is a real step forward it's a real
2: it's an incredible they've definitely moved the let's put it the npr game as far as the in-depth i mean that's something i am uh, like the pod format allows and i'm glad that that is happening because it is very difficult to be able to talk about latin america and our involvement when the audience has no idea what uh condor is or the school of the americas right, right. if you don't have those reference points it's very difficult. It's like trying to talk about World War II but not knowing about the Nazis. Uh, Iran-Contra, I don't think most people have any understanding of or the involvement of senior politicians in. Well, it's Eli- like-
0: Elliot Abrams was uh, basically pardoned by George Bush Sr. as his action, which basically covered up Iran-Contra. So that's why he's still allowed to be, you know, employed by the State Department. And I think as far as having that information out there, I think that is important
2: because it's been really absent. And also, if they do this now, um, it's relatively easy for people to find out more once it's been put out there. Healthcare and Venezuela, the Overton window has shifted enough on for that for the old ways of discussing them to no longer be adequate. Great.
0: The ideas that are now, uh, they've almost become mainstream. So this is probably a good time now to go into talking about Chapel Trap House, which is the show you introduced me to when you answered my call for podcast recommendations. So Chapo is the socialist brainchild of three Twitter celebrities. Matt Chrisman, Will Menneker, and Felix Biderman. They became sort of famous in the Twitter sphere for commenting funny and insightful 140-character heckles into the digital void that is frighteningly taking over real life. They did meet in real time as guests on another podcast, and there they fell in love, and now they meet twice a week and produce a show that is fucking ESSENTIAL. It's funny and clever, and they are doing well for themselves. Um, I think they're still the second highest grossing podcast on Patreon, the online financial support platform. So, Chapels coming from a, a, an outsider ish place. You know, they've been called a group therapy session for the Bernie Bros, but they're not that. They're much deeper. Their uh, chemistry, their on Mike Chemistry, is very funny, and they deal with some very big issues. They, they do come across a bit kind of Statler and Waldorf, f- um, kind of. You know, it's always easy to be this, like, snide, snidey outside critique. Um, but it's so needed. And I really think they are moving what you referred to as the Overton window. What's the Overton window again? Um, I think it comes out a theory from the early
2: 80s. I think it's a professor, a college professor, who was also a Republican strategist. And it was basically that if you want to move uh, the debate... In a political issue, you take a, an outlandish issue and uh, you stretch the discussion of, to out there. So then your position seems more reasonable as kind of an inside. So you're shifting the window. And I think the great example, I think, for thing is as far as Clinton, who kind of shifted the left of the, main, of the Democratic Party to the point where he co-opted so many of the ideas of the right that the right couldn't criticize him, right, as far as, like, being tough on crime, being pro-business, and shifted the window. And then with George Bush, the window was pushed even further to the right. So the far left is now in the center, essentially. (laughs) Yeah, yes. Right, right. And so what you've had, and honestly, I mean, this really comes down to the... That moment Bernie Sanders said, I'm a socialist on television, and the, the country did not melt down was sort of a moment that pushed the window to the left and the fact that i think you're right about the debate now is being moved as politicians have caught up with the the mood and i would say to bring it back to chapo i think what mm-hmm. chapo's real success has been is that it has introduced people to these ideas yes the fact that they are um they interviews they're mainly interview heavy yes. so they either uh, main things they have is an interview and a review uh and the interviews have brought in people. So, for example, through Chapo, you can make connections to other projects or through other people. In many ways, they're kind of like a late-night show, yeah, right? Exactly. Like yeah, a big yeah. guest coming in, promoting a book. So it's often it's promoting awesome. writers.
0: You know, and they get some great people. I mean, one of my uh, favorite documentary makers, they had uh, Adam Curtis uh, in, who did an amazing documentary called Hypernormalization um, to really explain this strange moment we're in uh, where the politics is so complicated and evidence of corruption is just so clear and yet it's so hard uh, to effect a change. Certainly hypernormalization the documentary, which you can watch on YouTube, was one and it was so good to find him interviewed extensively on Chapo. And so Chapel do go deep with these people yeah. well- and you'd never get you never get Adam Curtis on Podsafe. Podsafe will be Elizabeth Warren and, you know, Matt Landro, right. former well, mayor of New Orleans. Be- very good. Exactly. Because Pod comes from a political
2: class. I mean, mm-hmm. one thing just to bring it back again to the to, to sort of the, the comparison, when the Pod people talk about a policy, it is from a this very comfortable place. And I think that's the big difference between Chapo. For for them, it, the feeling is that politics is something that can be discussed debated i think you referenced earlier that comfort level is comes from a place of privilege it's like at mm-hmm. a the debate club yes well in the chapo uh, politics is life and death like not having access to money can mean your death like it's not it's not a, it's not a thing we can debate about about a voucher or something like that right yes and 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 i think that's one thing that comes and it comes from a place of comfort like the people that go on pod are already known yes for me Chapa was a way to find out about a lot of things i did not know about so for example another per- uh, an episode i would highly recommend is uh, the episodes with brace belden um who was known as piss pig granddad and uh, an american who went to fight in rojava in northern syria with the ypg and um he was actually banned from twitter because of uh, he's an anti-nazi he's an anarchist and he went there and um He's actually also an, a labor organizer and he just organized the Anchor Steam Brewery to become um, unionized after they were bought out by Sapporo. Oh, great. Yeah, So, and, but also the great thing about sort of these kind of things is they ask concrete steps like you are at a place of work yeah. How would you unionize? Right. How would you organize? Yes. Kind of like yeah. walk us through how you would do that. It's kind yeah. of information that you're never going to hear about anyway. Right. I mean, when you think of business news or when they talk the economy, yeah. who is it doing the talking? Economists, pundits. It's right. not someone who's like, you're in a think shitty tanks. job situation. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Here's how you actually improve your situation. It is yeah. very complicated. I don't want to give the idea that it's all heavy political figures, marginalized trade union leaders you know, Marxists ranting about capitalism. It's it's a very funny show. They want to be funny and they bring on a lot of good comedians as guests too. Well, you have episodes with David Cross where they uh, review uh, the John Kasich book. You know, it's kinda you know, I'd love it when they kinda take these texts and really take the time to analyze yeah, The reading them series is is fantastic. Yeah, I mean yeah.
2: I, I think the reading series as far as just like it's basically at the end of every episode, there's an article. Normally, it's will it's always Will Willmaniker, or a chapter of a book, and yes. it it is it is very enlightening. Um, and I think that's the big distinction about whether you end up being a regular for Pot Save America or for Chapa is the civility, is the aspect of that, mm-hmm. and also it's just the variety of the people. You are not going to know most of the people until they come on, right? Yes, right? Yeah, yeah. While in Part Save America. You are likely
0: to know almost all the people that are going to be coming on the show. Yes. Does that yeah. make a sense? Yeah, as that a distinction? is. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Honestly, I am. I'm loving both shows. I'm definitely going to listen to every Chapo episode. Go back into the back catalog, catch up, and especially the movie ones. And ongoing.
2: Or the, oh, the West Wing ones, the ones where they do TV shows yeah. or movies or writers, and they yeah. go through like a writers catalog. Yeah. Are Megan McCradle? uh is uh, or anyway
0: and-, and but then also pod save i'm just, i'm loving pod save and i'm going to be i'm going to be a regular listener too because you know they're up to date minute by minute uh, movement to the left and also their are up to date minute by minute coverage of the muller probe is front and foremost in most episodes and they use clear language labeling his crimes over and over and th- there's no one doing that in the mainstream media literally every episode they list where all these investigations are uh, really well, so I like, I, I like, I like both shows. For, you know, I'm more of a Chapel guy, but I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be also listening to Pod Save, and they're shifting left, which is uh, a moment for celebration uh, for me. I'm with you
2: that it's definitely a moment for celebration. I am definitely more optimistic at this point
0: than I was six months ago, than I was a year ago, than I was five years ago. Um, This is wonderful. So let's do final uh, summary. I'm going to, let's start with Pod Save America. I'm going to give it four stars. They lose one star for all the weird advertising. Two thumbs up and um, some cash registers. I'm going to give it a Bill Hicks. Again, because of all the advertising. And if you do a commercial, everything you say is suspect, and every word that comes out of your mouth is now like a turd falling into my drink. What, what, what do you give, give
2: Podsafe? What, what do you think? Uh, well, I can't because, uh, you know, at the meeting of the docs, they, if they heard that I gave Podsafe or anything, it would, be, it would be a real problem. <laughs> Are you that coming? With, with that. Are you uh, coming? You, you, coming? <laughs> so,
0: you, what, you so don't...
2: I'll give them... Um, uh, a backfire and a healthy backfire.
0: A healthy backfire. Okay, and Chapo. Chapo, the excellent Chapo. Uh, let's give that uh, uh, five stars. Two thumbs up. Some gallows humor. Because I think more than any podcast I've listened to, they really know that society's dancing on the end of a rope. Uh, uh,
1: but uh, uh, emails. <laughs> I'll
2: give it a Valentino Rossi. We'll a bit, uh... What a
0: Valentino Rossi! Okay.
2: Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm happy, but uh, I, I I cannot believe. It.
0: Excellent. So, two great political shows for you there. Um, subscribe to Chapo and subscribe to Pod Save America. Thanks, Claxton. Thanks a lot thank for coming on the show, man. Always you. a pleasure to talk to you, and uh, we'll have you back again sometime. J. Hawkins. And also, I guess, Jill Scott Heron. Always Jill. Yeah! Brothers. Sisters. Fellow whiteys. Caucasians. Wherever the fuck that is, I've never seen the Caucasus. Come here. Sit down at the table. I want to talk to you. I want to see if I can develop some kind of understanding. It is with great enthusiasm that I reenact at this time the capabilities that become my indignation. I've got to get down to the nitty-gritty, and I'm talking about us all living in the city. You are ignorant, and you've been out there talking some ignorant ass shit. Listen up. Nobody believes you have a gluten allergy. Humanity has been eating bread for 10,000 years, If you have celiac disease, that's one thing, but you don't. And it's no goddamn fun to go around harassing bakers. They didn't train as a vocation to make something out of plantain flour that tastes like wet cardboard and disappointment. Just order the salad if that's what you want. And I damn near died when we went into that church and you asked the priest if his communion wafer was gluten-free. You're not even Catholic. We only went into that church to use the bathroom. And it's called a font. There's no stairs up to it because you're not meant to use it as a urinal. Mooning your bear behind in the face of all those good people and their superheroes in their cartoon glass windows. You gotta wake up, baby. And please, is it too much to ask for you to lift your head out of your phone now and again? It's rude, and I do love seeing your face. But that screen has captured your soul like a Palantir wizard stone from Lord of the Rings. No, don't look it up. It's time we put Twitter in the shitter. It's time to unfriend Facebook. And I'm tired of you photographing everything I eat and putting it on Instagram. Nobody gives a damn about my pork chops. And it gives me indigestion. It's bad enough you do it to me But our kids want to invite Siri over for a play date. You're not even listening to me now. It's too much. The world is outside your phone, baby. we got to wise up or we're going to end up missing life. We're going to lose everything, baby. Our children, our neighbors, our community, our country. And what in the hell is goat yoga? It's bad enough you go spending all our money on stretching classes without now having to pay for a goat to do it with you. Animals are cute, It's why we have a dog. But a goat does not need to get involved in your yoga class. How would I look if I insisted on playing ball with an octopus on my head and a bag of kittens around my waist? Because some guy called Larry claims it's going to align my chakras and improve my jump shot. You are ignorant and I'm tired of your ignorant ass shit. And it's way past time to get your mother to stop it with the all-lives-matter bullshit. It's insulting and idiotic that you don't see that there's a systematic problem with racism and policing in this country. When was the last time you got pulled over while driving your car and had to feel for your life because you've been painted as a criminal because of the colour of your skin? They don't talk to them like they talk to us. They approach them as if cornering a wild animal. I don't know fucking why, but it's gotta stop. Dylan Ruth, Robert Bowers, Nicholas Cruz, all mass murderers, all white, all managed to be apprehended by the police without having been used for target practice. All of them actually holding guns, not toys, not pieces of licorice, not cell phones in their own back gardens. Meanwhile, all Philandro, Trayvon, Eric Garner et al, And it's a big fucking et al baby. All they were doing was going about their rightful business. No threat to anybody. The police are trained to scream stop resisting arrest while they punch y'all in the face. Look, we don't have to tell our boy to watch out for Becky's if he's barbecuing or swimming at the community pool. Hell, we don't even have to think about race. Except when we watch a Spike Lee movie once every blue moon. The absolute least we can do is get behind Black Lives Matter. It's the only way to really try to make all lives matter. I know they want to make it like the police are the only ones allowed to have actual rights and a working union, but it doesn't have to be that way. It really doesn't have to be that way. They're supposed to protect and serve all of us, not on some sliding scale of melanin you have in your skin. So I'm begging you, please, Shut your uneducated, ignorant mouth and tell your cousin to take that goddamn red hat off his head. I know he lives with his mother and his involuntary celibate but I'm not having him around the house no more. I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed for all of you. You do know it's a goddamn clan slogan, so stop pretending otherwise. Make America great again. When exactly is a game? The 1980s, when the peak of culture was leg-warmers and Reaganomics. Or the 70s, you want to be pre-internet like the Amish, you want to unironically dance to disco. Or the 60s, when we got our ass handed to us in Vietnam, you want to do the draft again on TV, like some fucked up game show. And a reminder to our contestants at home, if you are rich and white you will not be made to go to war. Yeah Bush, yeah Trump. Sat out in daddy's penthouses, learning how to segregate his New York City apartments. Ain't no fucking businessman. He bankrupted three casinos. How do you bankrupt a casino unless you're a mob boss laundering money? Make America Great Again. Tell me, please baby, I'm waiting, I'm listening. Enlighten me. When exactly is a game? Is it the 1950s perhaps? the height of Jim Crow America. I'm getting closer, am I right? When women knew their place, when the gays were cowering in their closets, when the schools were segregated, when nobody told you your racist Confederate statues to those who gave their lives to preserve chattel slavery were an ungodly stain on the country. So keep him out of the house, baby. He's not welcome here. And please, I'm begging you, baby. Tell your mother, tell your uncle, Tell your cousins, tell your sister's friend in Bejeebus, Texas, in Indifference, Tennessee, tell your Facebook friends in Lakota, Genocide, Dakota, in S-Town, Alabama, tell your closet Nazi uncles and aunts in Florida, Utah, and Arizona to shut their uneducated, ignorant mouths. That's it, it's a wrap. I'm really looking forward to the next episode of Chapo. They are going to CPAC and are going full Hunter S. Thompson and dropping acid. Brave guys. I'm also looking forward to a Chapel special episode that uh, I see is coming up from uh, Amber Ali Frost on Brexit. Andy's Podcast, a podcasting podcast, is sponsored by the American Shoe Council. Over 30,000 years of bipedal history, as it is written in Psalm 60, verse 8. Moab is my washbowl. Over Edom I shall cast my shoe. <laughs> Please subscribe to the show in iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts. And please leave me a review on iTunes, too. It'll be a big help. Catch you later. Bye.